Last week, Pastor Hyden introduced us to a new series, a new state of mind, and he laid an amazing foundation for us that we, are, we now have renewed minds. We have renewed thinking. One of our, our core verses, a foundational verse, we find it right here. Don't copy the patterns, the behavior, the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person, changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you. I like that. Let God, and then you will know His will for you. And Pastor Hyden said a lot of people think God's will is boring and dull and whack. And he said, that's a lie. It's good, pleasing, and perfect. In fact, he drilled down on that. He had us repeat that after him. Would you do that with me right now? God's will for us is good, pleasing, and perfect. Let God transform our minds. We, we looked at this quote from A.W. Tozer. What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. What we think about matters. How we think matters. We are learning to think Jesus. This was one of the primary points from last week. Renewed thinking, think Jesus, and think warfare, if you remember. We're going to dig into this today. Think Jesus. I told you I accepted Christ in a VA hospital. And when I first accepted Christ, there was an initial lifting of guilt, shame, brokenness, addiction, deep woundedness. I can't even explain to you. Do you get the picture? It was lifted off of me. For the first time in my life, I began to experience the presence of God. I experienced forgiveness, the forgiveness that was provided on the cross. I entered into a new life. I, I, I now was given the mind of Christ. That's something we learned last week. But here's what happened to me. As I began to, this journey with God, a short while into that journey, I, I, I started realizing it's like something seemed off. Yes, I was born again. I was now a child of God. I was a, a, a kingdom citizen, part of the kingdom of God now. And yet it seemed to me like the Christian life was not delivering all that it promised. I didn't have the right perspective. I was looking outside saying, well, what's wrong? Is it the church? Is it the Bible? What is it? Because I'm not experiencing what the pastors are preaching about, what I'm reading about. I was hearing great messages. I was reading great books. And, and I was born again. I was heaven bound. That's wonderful. That's awesome news. But you know, that is not just the finish line. That's actually the starting line. Yeah, and so there was a disconnect in my experience of God in the here and now. You know, I like how Dr. Tony Evans says it. When we are saved, that's salvation. When we turn to Christ, we get heaven. We receive eternal life. The life of Christ alive in me, me alive in the life of Christ. That's Zoe. It's what the New Testament calls eternal life. It's not just living forever. It's the life of Christ alive in me now. It's me alive in Him, walking with Him now. And it continues into eternity. When, when I leave this, this world, it says I now pass from death into life. More life. So something was a disconnect for me. That's what I believe God wants to speak to us about today. And I would venture to say most of you can relate with what I'm saying. If you don't know Christ, you relate. 
If you do know Christ, I believe you can still relate with me with what I'm saying. Oftentimes you'll think, why do I still feel a bit disconnected? Why am I feeling lonely? Why do I feel like I don't have enough power or to actually follow Jesus? Where's my joy? Where's my peace? Why do I have one foot in the kingdom, one foot in my old life? Why? I know I'm in Christ. Why do I keep doing this? Do you, all, do you ever feel like that? Yeah. I want, us, I want us to look at this question. Who are you? Don't use your name. Don't use your family, your background, your work. Answer that question as if you and I were back at the snack table having a conversation. And I said, Brother Lothar, just who are you? What are you all about? And what do you do? Again, this is not about your work, your family, your background. What do you do? Like, this speaks about purpose, right? Discover your purpose. Make a difference. What do you do? Let me answer that question for myself. I haven't always been able to answer it this way. Who am I? I am a disciple of Jesus Christ. Amen. That's who I am. And I always tell people this, kind of in a joking way. Yeah. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I always tell people this, like, as an active step of humility and also to be funny, but it's true. I may not be a very good one yet, but I am a disciple. You know why? Because he's not done with me yet. He who began the good work in us, he is the one who's faithful to see it to completion. He's not done with me yet. He's still transforming my mind, my thinking, my life, my experience. Yes. Amen? Yes, amen? Amen. Okay, so who are you? I am a disciple of Jesus Christ. I am seeking to become a fully devoted follower of Jesus, engaging this world with his love, joining him in making more disciples. I know that's a mouthful, but that's in a, God has given that to me as like my mission statement. That's who I am, and that's what I'm called to do. It's a wonderful adventure. If we're going to think Jesus, I think we need to know, okay, then what did Jesus think about? What was first and foremost in Jesus' mind if I'm going to think Jesus? And that's what we're going to begin looking at. We're going to look at what did Jesus think about? When Jesus first began his public ministry, the first thing he said and the first thing he did, that's what we're going to dive into and dig into today. Are you ready? Yeah. Pastor Hyden would always say, if you're ready, say, ready. if you're hungry, say, let's see. Because this is real food. This is spiritual food. Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. This is the food that changes us from the inside out. I'm hungry. I'm ready to eat. Let's go. Jesus shows up and he begins his public ministry. Now, after John was put into prison, Jesus came to Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. The kingdom. Saying the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Do you see it? The kingdom. The kingdom. Repent and believe in the gospel. Then he goes al along and he calls his first disciples. The next one. Jesus says, See Simon and Andrew casting a net into the sea. It says because they were fishermen. It looks like the scripture is not coming right now. Jesus goes a little further. 
There it is. And he sees these two fishermen. He walks up to them and he says, follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. That's what was in Jesus' mind. This is where he started from. This is the first thing he said and the first thing he did. He began preaching the gospel of the kingdom. Preaching. That means proclaiming, telling, explaining. That's what preaching means. Telling and explaining. The gospel of the kingdom. The first thing he does, he starts talking about the good news of the kingdom. What's this kingdom? What does that have to do with me? I'm just trying to pay my bills. I'm trying to fix my life. I'm trying to take care of my marriage. Right? I'm trying not to have one foot in my old way of life. What does the kingdom have to do with me? It has everything to do with us. Jesus thought kingdom. If we're going to think Jesus, we must think kingdom. Amen. The kingdom was first and foremost on Jesus' mind. He began with the kingdom, and he ended speaking about the kingdom. The, the, the gospels open with Jesus speaking kingdom. The gospels end with Jesus speaking kingdom and encouraging us to now work with him to expand his kingdom. The book of Acts begins with Jesus alive, resurrected for 40 days, talking to his disciples about the kingdom. The book of Acts ends with, with the Apostle Paul preaching about the kingdom. The kingdom is, was first and foremost in Jesus' mind. He was constantly saying, the kingdom is upon you. The kingdom is at hand. He was telling stories. The kingdom is like this. The kingdom is like that. This thing is big. It's amazing. It's expansive. And you cannot just understand it with a three-point message. But it's like this and it's like that. The kingdom is like me because I am the kingdom. That's what Jesus was telling us. The kingdom is upon you. Then he goes a step further and he says, the time is fulfilled. That means time's up. You see, everything you've been hoping for, everything you've been waiting for, it is, it is upon you. It's happening now. Everything the Old Testament prophecies were looking forward to, it's happening now. Time's up. That's what that means. The time is fulfilled means... Wake up. It's happening right now. What is happening? The kingdom of God is at hand. It's happening right now. Why is the kingdom now here? Because the king is here. When the king draws near, the kingdom draws near. Jesus is the king of his kingdom. Amen? To think Jesus is to think kingdom. Do we see that? To think Jesus is to think kingdom. When Jesus was on trial before Pilate, Pilate asked him a question, are you a king? And Jesus' response is basically, oh, I most certainly am. He says it like this, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom, do you see it? My kingdom, it belongs to me. It is mine. It comes from me. It's all about me. It is my kingdom. It is, and if it were of this world, my servants would have been fighting. Remember, think warfare. My servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered into the hands of the Jews. But my kingdom is not from the world. Jesus did not say that his kingdom is not in this world. He said it's not of this world, meaning it doesn't originate here. It originates with God. 
God is the creator of the universe and the king of his kingdom. Jesus is the king of the kingdom. When the king showed up, the kingdom showed up. Do you know the primary theme of the Bible, the whole Bible, is the glory of God and the expansion of his kingdom. When you and I turn to Christ and trust in him, faith alone in Christ alone, we leave the kingdom of this world and we are transferred into the kingdom of, of God, the kingdom of heaven. Scripture in Colossians says, for he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son. Amen. That scripture goes on to say that it is through his blood we've been purchased by Jesus. Purchased, redeemed, transferred into it. We actually left the kingdom of this world, entered the kingdom of heaven. In the core of Jesus' teaching, we find this truth. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. This is in the Sermon of the Mount. It is the, it is the most extensive teaching Jesus, Jesus gave at one time about his kingdom. When Jesus taught us to pray, he said, remember who you're praying to. This is holy God, king of the universe. And when you pray, your kingdom come. Your will be done. See, when you pray, think kingdom. The, the end of the prayer says, to him be the glory. And the king, is the, his is the kingdom and the glory forever, right? The kingdom, the kingdom. Seek him first. That was first in Jesus' mind. If you and I are going to think Jesus, we have to think kingdom. Think kingdom first. The kingdom of God is Jesus in action. Righteousness, that's the way things work in his kingdom. It's the standards by which the kingdom works. I love the word righteous in the Bible. It's a big Bible word. It means to have a right standing with God. That's righteousness. It's the free gift of God. I can't earn it. I can't accomplish it, but it is given to me for free. When I turn to Jesus, I now get a right standing with God. Righteousness. See, what this is saying is put me first, my agenda first, and now that right relationship with me, it will become a reality in your life. And all the things you worry about, that's the context of the scripture. All that stuff I got. See, if you follow me, if you put me first, I'll cover you. I got your back. That's what Jesus is saying. Amen? So Jesus starts out saying, time's up. The kingdom is upon you because the king is here. That's a wake-up call. Don't miss it. The next thing Jesus says, repent. This is an amazing, amazing word. One of the first words Jesus speaks. Look at his first sermon, how short it is. Time's up. The king has come. The kingdom is here. Repent and believe. Repent. This is an amazing word in scripture. This, remember I told you that when I first accepted Christ at that VA hospital, so much of my baggage was initially lifted. But after a while, it seemed like, hmm, why am I beginning to experience some of that again? I was born again. I've been set free. I'm a child of God. Why? Part of it is tied to this. I didn't understand this. See, in Old okay, the word repent, the Greek word is metanoia. It literally means a complete change of mind, to change one's way of thinking. It also means to have your, your, your default setting reset. Repent. In the Old Testament times, repentance was a joyous, wonderful time. 
It, it said, repent so that times of refreshing may come. See, what repent meant in the Old Testament is God is on the move. God is about to do something, and if I don't put my full attention back on God, I'm going to miss it. Wake up. God is moving. Get in on it. Don't miss out. I don't know about you, but I don't want to miss out on what God has for me and for us, his people. Amen? Amen. Repent. Repent. Change your mind. Here, here's one of the, the best ways I can, I've, I've seen this explained. When we repent... Our default setting is reset. And, and, and you'll get to see this in a few minutes. Meaning this, before I was in Christ, my default was my selfishness, my sin, my rebellion toward God. And now that I'm in Christ, and oh, before I was in Christ, I want to do good, I want to do better, I want to seek God, but my default is always back to my old nature. You see? But when I repent, when I turn to God, whoop, my default is reset. I'm now in Christ. And when I try to go back to my old way of life and my old thinking, I can't because my mind is in Christ. I have a new mind. I have a new spirit. I can't live the old way anymore. Boom. I'm in Christ because I've repented. Uh, uh, part of the meaning of it. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Part of the meaning of repent literally means to do a 180 degree turn. Metanoia. It means to turn 180 degrees. You know, I told you I was a Marine. One of the first things we learned was atten huh, attention. Focus our attention. The next thing we learned was about face. Turn in a new direction. Put your attention where you're directed. That is repent. To fully turn 180 degrees. Here's what happened to me. In many parts of my life, instead of a full turn to God, I did this. Partial turn. Look at my feet. And if I was really doing it military style, we do this. Now look at that. You see my posture? One foot in the kingdom, one foot in the world. One foot in Christ, one foot in my old life. The scriptures say that this position, this posture, this half repentance means I'm unstable in all my ways. This says I'm double-minded in everything. And I've been there. So have many of you. Because instead of turning all of me to all of him, what I agree with, what I like, what I feel I'm ready for. One of the best ways I've heard this said is like this. When we repent, we are literally, literally saying... God, you are right, and I'm wrong. And I agree with you, and I'm turning to your side. Let's go. That's repentance. That's what many of us have never fully done. And you know, there's is, there is first-time repentance, and there's ongoing repentance. First-time repentance is, is amazing. It's most important. That is the starting point before anything else in our life can be right. First time repentance is when I see who Jesus is and what he's done and I turn to him. Jesus, save me. And I'm saved. That's first time repentance. But equally important, here was my problem, is ongoing repentance. Again, one of the best ways I've heard this said is from Pastor Vance. Ongoing repentance. You see, back when I first turned to Christ, with as much as I knew about my sin and as much as I knew about God, about Jesus, I gave as much of myself 
as I could to him. But look, now almost 30 years later, I know a whole lot more about this mind and this heart and my sinful inclination. And I know a whole lot more about his holiness and what he has done and his love and his grace. And so now I'm constantly repenting and it's wonderful. Repentance is not dull, boring, or whack. It is life, life in the full. It's freedom. So now I'm, I'm moving along. I begin to, and I say, ah, God, you're right. I'm wrong. And I'm moving back in your direction. Amen. Amen. You know, oh. in the book of Revelation, chapter 2, Jesus is talking to one of the churches, one of the seven churches. And he tells them, he commends them that they're doing some things really well. They're really solid in biblical doctrine. They do not tolerate false teaching. And he says, that's good. But I hold this one thing against you. You have forsaken your first love. You see, you're good at like pursuing truth, honoring truth. You're good at Bible study. You're good at quoting scriptures. That's great. I commend you. But you're not good at loving each other, therefore at loving me. And he says, consider the height from which you have fallen. This is a big deal. You have gotten first thing, you've gotten things out of order. Remember, first things first. And he says, unless you repent and do the things you did at first, I'll remove my lamp from its lampstand. That's ongoing repentance. This was a church. They were forgiven people. They were people who are resting in the arms of Jesus. But he was telling them, you're not representing me well. You're not loving each other. The one thing I asked you to do, get back to the first thing. Repent, change, so that times of refreshing may come. Amen? There's first-time repentance. There's ongoing repentance. Jesus went on to say, believe in the gospel. This is his first sermon. That's it. You got it right there. Time's up. The king has come. The kingdom has come. Here's what you do in response to it. You turn and put your full attention on God and you believe in him. You know, it is said that man is born with his back to God. And when he repents, he turns and fully gives himself to God. That's repentance. Do you know, believe in the Bible. This is another place where it was a disconnect for me. Like, I thought I believed in Jesus. But biblical belief is much more than intellectual assent. Biblical belief is more than, okay, I agree with that. I acknowledge that. I hear the facts. I got the information, and I accept that. That is not biblical belief. Here is biblical belief. You see this chair, right? I can not only see it, I can feel it. It has some weight to it. I'm touching it. Now, do I believe in this chair? No. Biblically, I don't yet believe in this chair. Okay, how about now? No, not just yet, thank you. But wait, I have some things that are very important to me. I have some things that God has blessed me with. Maybe I have some resources, some priorities. You know, there's things in here that represent my family. That's very important to me. And I have those on this chair. No, okay. I want to believe. Jesus said, repent and believe. The gospel good news ah, says that God so loved the world, he gave his only son, that whoever would believe would receive God himself, eternal life, forgiveness. 
Biblical belief is this. Ah, now I believe. Amen. And you see, all those years back, I turned to Christ and I was saved. Yes. But, you know, my belief was partial. It really was. I ne it was me and Jesus. It was more like this. See, now, if my wife come and pull the chair, I can still catch myself. You know, it's, it's me and the chair. But biblical belief is faith alone in Christ alone. Amen? Jesus said, repent and believe. Look at this quote from Matthew Henry. By repentance, we must give glory to our Creator, whom we have offended. And by faith, we must give glory to our Redeemer, who came to save us from our sins. Amen? Both these must go together. This is very, very important. Repentance and belief. You must not think that either reforming our lives will save us without the trusting of righteousness and grace of Christ. Or that trusting in Christ will save us without the reformation of our hearts and lives. Thus the preaching of the gospel began. This is Jesus' first message. This was first and foremost in his mind. Still the call is repent and believe and live a life of repentance and faith. Amen? Amen. Repentance and faith. Jesus went now to call his first disciples. He gave his first sermon. Now he moves forward and he says, follow me. That's an amazing, amazing invitation. Do you know, follow me literally means become my disciple. In this culture, in this day, that's what a rabbi would say to a potential student, a, dis a potential disciple. The Greek word for disciple is learner, lifelong learner. Remember, I told you I used to be a martial arts student, and I had the, I had the good fortune of training under a couple of masters. I became their disciple. And you know what I did? I did whatever they told me to do, gladly, because I trusted them. Because discipleship means I'm walking in his very footsteps, learning his way. I'm actually learning to be like him. And, and my masters I trained with, they did all these amazing things. I wanted to be able to do it too. So I did whatever they asked me to do, gladly. They asked me to do difficult things, training my body, disciplining my body. It wasn't easy in the moment, but it was worth it. Because of that, they made me even to be a champion. Not because I was so good, but because I was a fully devoted student of a master. That's a disciple. Look, a disciple's state of mind. Here's what it means. In the ancient world, a disciple actively imitated the life and teaching of the master. It was a deliberate apprenticeship. Master apprentice. Which made the way, I mean, which made the fully formed disciple a living copy of the master. We are called to have a disciple's state of mind. Another definition, a disciple is not just an accumulator of information or one who merely changes some behaviors. It is a complete shift toward the life and way of Jesus in every way, including complete devotion to God. That's a disciple's state of mind. Here's a defining reality. To live as a Christian, is to live as a disciple of Jesus Christ. 
follow me is the first invitation of Jesus. To think Jesus, I must learn to walk with Jesus. You know, the foundational verse for the name of our church, Walk Church, says that we are now learning to walk in Him. We're learning to follow Him. That's the heart of the church. Now that we're in Him, we're learning to honor Him. We're learning to follow Him and glorify Him and represent Him. We get to follow Him. This is not a burden. We get to. It's an amazing invitation. This is the heart of our faith. Not that we invite Him. He invites us. He came to us. He died for us. He invites us. That is Christianity. It's all about Him and what He did for us. And we get to follow Him. He went to the cross for me. He gave His all for me. He traded places with me so that I could be in Him. And He says, I just want you to do one thing. Now follow me. You came to the starting line. Now let's keep going. Let's do this journey together, this journey into eternity. You know, in the early church, the people who responded to the gospel message were dead serious about living as followers of Christ. In fact, the early Christians were known throughout their uh, culture as people of the way. They were called followers of the way of Jesus because they'd chosen to walk a new and completely different path in life. These early believers lived for God's kingdom, based their entire identities on his kingdom agenda. As Dr. Tony Evans. Look what David Platt says. If our lives are not, do not reflect the fruit of following Jesus, then we are foolish to think we're actually followers in the first place. We are called to follow Jesus. Look at this verse. Look what Jesus said in John chapter 8. If you are truly my disciples, if you remain faithful to my teachings, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. You know, most of us are familiar with the second part of the verse. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And that is true. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. But we, we seldom pay attention to the front end. Some translations say it like this. To those who claimed to believe, Jesus said, if you hold to my teachings, you're really my disciples, and then you will know the truth, and it will set you free experientially. Look at this here. Look at this guy. This guy here who was completely in bondage, addiction, brokenness, destroyed life. That's me. Look at this guy. Now he's over in Africa. He's following Jesus. There is freedom in following. Look at, we, we are called to know God and to find freedom. It's one of our core values. There is freedom in following. But the problem is most of us won't fully turn to him. We won't put our full weight in him or begin to follow him or continue following him because of two things, either pride or fear. You see, arrogance, I can, I can do it. I can work this out. I don't need to follow Jesus. I can do it. I, I'm doing better. Man, I'm way better than I used to be, you see? And then the other thing is fear. If I follow Jesus, where is he going to take me? What about me? What about what I want? You think you can run your life better than Jesus? I was with a brother just the other day. We're working together. And uh, he said some amazing things. Unlike me, he said it with an economy of words. And he, he basically... We were talking about Jesus. He was talking about his love for Jesus. And he said, you know, now I don't even want to try it on my own anymore. I've been there, done that. 
I don't even trust myself. I trust him. And I want to follow him. So I'm, I'm not going back. I'm following him. Do you know what he was saying? He was saying, I have now repented. I've put my full attention on God. I've put my full weight in Jesus. I believe. And I'm committed to follow him now. He invited me to follow him. And I'm going to follow him. I'm not going back. Jesus goes on to say, I, oh, yes, go back to the picture for me. Look at your sister Siham. We were in a remote place, a, a difficult place. This was a difficult season. Siham had gone through a period of malaria. Then after that, a period of typhoid. It wasn't easy. There was a bit of suffering involved. And yet in the middle of all that, look at that girl. Free in Christ. Amen. Do you see that smile? A, a picture paints a thousand words, right? This girl is free. Freedom in following Christ. Follow me sets you free. It is freedom. Amen. Jesus said to them, I will make you. Our job is to follow. He makes us what he created us to be. Right? Trust him. You're in good hands with Jesus. He makes us what he, what he created us to be, to become. He makes us to become. That indicates a process. This is a process of transformation. The more we follow, the more he shapes us, the more he shapes our thinking, reforms our life, delivers us from all the junk we're carrying. Right? We know him. We find freedom. Now we begin to discover a purpose. He begins to make us into something different. What he created us to be. Like the full re realization of who we are in Christ begins to come forward when we follow him. He makes us to become something different. See, don't be discouraged and think, okay, you know, you don't know my life. You're talking about disciple. You're talking about follow. I'm just trying to stay out the clubs. I'm just trying not to go back to my addiction, right? I'm just trying not to yell at my wife. I'm just trying to have peace at work. No. It's not about perfection. It's about progress. Remember, he's not done with me yet. He's not done with you yet. The point is that we're making progress. If you are in a different place than you were last year, praise God, you're making progress. He's not done with you yet. Then he goes on to say, I will make you to become fishers of men. You know what that means? That means Jesus redeems our past present and future. He takes everything we've passed through, our family of origin, our background, our work, everything we know, everything we think we don't know, and he uses it for his kingdom work. He uses it in the family business to seek and save the lost. That's an amazing invitation. If you follow me, I will make you to be a fisher of men. To follow is to fish because that's where he leads us. To be a fisher of men, I like to say it like this. It's where Jesus takes an imperfect messenger and he takes his holy message and he makes the perfect combination with his Holy Spirit to do in someone else's life what he in someone did in my life. That's us as a church. That he takes the church, us together, his body, his children, his family, all of us together. And he takes his holy message and he ignites it with his Holy Spirit to make the perfect combination in this city so that they can see and know Jesus. Amen. He invites us to follow him, to walk with him, and to work with him. Amen. Then he says, look at Jesus ends his ministry with these words. Go make disciples of the whole world. Baptize them. That means 
show them how to completely identify. Here's what the baptize them means. Show them how to be completely in me, completely identified with me. We're not talking about just say a prayer and leave it at that. We're talking about give your whole life and heart and come under the lordship of Jesus Christ. Make disciples and then teach these new disciples to obey all the commands. You see, this is a call to, you and I are called to grow spiritually, then to walk with others to help them grow spiritually. This means be disciples, make disciples. This is part of having a new mind, thinking like Jesus. Colossians 3, 2 says, set your minds on things above, not on things that are on earth. To think Jesus is to think kingdom. To have a disciple's state of mind. To have a follower's state of mind. Let's go back where we started. Who are you? Not your name, not your work, not your family. Who are you? What do you do? Amen. Here's the answer. We are disciples of Jesus Christ. We are seeking to become fully devoted followers of our master Jesus, engaging this world with his love, joining him in making more disciples. That's a renewed mind. Amen? Amen. Amen. Now, brothers and sisters, I want to ask you something today. If you have never repented, you've never fully said, God, you are right and I'm wrong and I'm tuning, turning to your side and putting my full weight in you. Faith alone in Christ alone. Jesus, I see who you are. I see what you did for me on the cross and I turn to you. Save me. And I'm, I'm encouraging you today. Repent. Also, brothers and sisters, if you're here and you know you're in Christ, but this follow me part has been missing. This allowing Jesus to make me become more like him is missing. Right? My repentance, my ongoing repentance, am I still moving in a way that says, God, you are right. I'm wrong. And I'm re I agree with you. I'm moving back to you. This is an ongoing pattern in my life now. It's a joyous time, a joyous pattern. I want to encourage us to do something today, something different. You know, true repentance is a change of mind. True repentance is a willingness to go public and say, I am in Christ and Christ is in me. And my life is now submitted to Christ. I want to encourage you, repent today. Repent and believe. You know, are you and I still living here? Faith alone, Christ alone, Jesus or is it this? Or is it even this? You know, I come to church, I read my Bible some, sometimes with a charge group. But I know I've heard from God, and I need to acknowledge in a fresh way, God, you're right. I agree with you, and I'm turning to your side. I want to ask you and invite you today to take a step, a public step. I want to encourage you to have the courage to get up from where you are. Let me, I call it, to get up and to get out. I've been sitting in the world a little too much. You know, I love the world like Jesus loves the world. He so loved the world, he gave his only son, but he has called me out of the world. 
called me into his kingdom. I've not been thinking kingdom. I've not been living kingdom. I want to challenge you today, encourage you today, invite you today. Get up, get out, and get in. I want to encourage you to get up from where you are and come forward. As if this is an altar before, before our holy God himself to come up and publicly say, God, I repent. I, I turn back to you. I give you my all. I was beginning to think and move off, but I'm moving back to you right now. I want to encourage you. Get up and come forward. Amen. Amen. Thank you. I encourage you. Get up and come forward. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We are not ashamed of the gospel, the good news, for it is the power of salvation for those who believe. Amen. There is power in standing for Christ. There's power in submitting to Christ. I, though none go with me, I will follow you. You, Jesus, you're my Lord. I surrender to you. I repent. I turn to you. I put my full attention back on you. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God for your lives. Praise God for your faith. Praise God for your submission to him. God honors submission. There's freedom in following. Amen. Brother Jason is going to lead us in a, in a time of worship. Let's worship right where we are. I invite you to stand and let's worship.